Hello all, this is James Campbell. This is Inspired to Impact. I'm hanging out today at Big Bang 2018. We're in the lobby of the Westin, so if you hear any background noise, we're just going with the flow and just having a good time here with a lot of great educators. And today I just want to introduce you to two great educators. We have Leslie and Lisa with us. Leslie, would you mind just giving us, tell us who you are and where you're from? Sure, uh, my name's Leslie Chabala. I am a music and computer science teacher at Nazareth College and Career Prep in Pittsburgh. Okay, and we also have Lisa. Lisa, tell us who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Hey James, it's great to be here with you. I'm Lisa Abel Palmieri. I'm the head of school at Nazareth Prep, and uh, it's really great to be here at the Bang this year. Wonderful, and I know you all are both very busy. You have a couple of students here, and I know you have a lot going on, so I appreciate your time and meeting with us. So I always like to start off with one question, and I'll give you both an opportunity to answer that question. It's simply this. Tell us about your path to education. So uh, mine's relatively straightforward, I guess. You could say that. Uh, when I was a senior, I uh, was kind of a leader in my marching band at my high school, took some younger students under my wing, and that kind of made me realize the power of playing music together and that's where I started that was my starting point like thinking hey maybe I want to like create more spaces where students can be brought together uh, specifically through music but now you know through a variety of things um, at that time I had actually already been accepted to college uh, as a computer science major and okay. I switched it <laughs> and it was kind of a crazy part of my senior year but uh from then on, I went to Duquesne University, got my music education degree, and started teaching my first year at Nazareth Prep's first year as a school, and it went from there. Okay, wonderful. Elisa, what about yourself? So my journey into K-12 education is not as direct as Leslie's, so I actually did not intend to be an educator. Okay. I actually started my career after a two-year high school internship in public relations at an advertising agency. So when I was working at this advertising agency almost 20 years ago, they needed somebody who was tech-savvy okay. to create essentially like employee training. Okay. So I started creating all this online training and computer-based training. And then I realized I was pretty good at it. And from there, I um, ended up going back to school for a master's in education, specifically focusing on instructional technology, where I did some student teaching in public education, but I couldn't land a job anywhere. Okay. So instead, I actually left formal K-12 education completely, and I ended up working for the U.S. Navy Nuclear Propulsion Program, Carnegie Mellon University, and then American Eagle Outfitters, where I was the senior manager of learning and development for about 25,000 employees. Okay. At that time, I was finishing up my doctorate in instructional management and leadership, and folks kept saying to me, like, you need to get in K-12. We need somebody like you who's mm -hmm. a disruptor, who's an innovator to, like, shake things up. School needs to change. And so I realized, though, at least in Pennsylvania, where we're from, not being a traditionally trained educator, even though at that point I had over 10 years of teaching experience really put me at a disadvantage because of the certification system. Right. So I ended up in private schools and independent schools. Okay. And I worked at uh, an independent school, an all-girls independent school in Pittsburgh for about five years, where I focused a lot of my work on design thinking and tech. And then now I got this wonderful opportunity to found a school okay. called Nazareth Prep. And it's been a really wonderful experience over the last three, four years, uh, starting a brand new school. Okay, well, wonderful. Les, I want to jump back to you for just a moment. You mentioned that music education. Mm -hmm. So a lot of schools are putting, oftentimes music education is put as a specialty or it's the class that everyone goes to once the teachers need a break. Mm -hmm. 
how do you go about justifying the need for music education, or do you try to justify the need? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I've really gotten interested in is since I've been at Nazareth Prep and been exposed to a lot of project-based learning and um, big-picture learning style models of education, I am super interested in looking at music and seeing how it can be also upgraded along with the rest of education to fit this new kind of world. I'm looking at how um, students can create music that's relevant to them and meaningful to them, how that can be incorporated with technology, with performance skills, and um, most importantly, going back to that idea of I'm really interested in how music brings people together. Okay. And I think that that is really the key to its relevance in our schools. Okay. And do you have any examples that you can share related to how you blend in music education with math, science, technology, or any other areas outside of music? So, yeah, I actually have been um, working on a, a, a class the past couple years called uh, it was just a ninth grade music class, but I've kind of made it into a music and media class. We do everything from, um, I simulate kind of a modern day uh, music production environment where they use music technology to create a remix of a Christmas song, mm-hmm. record it, put it on an album, and then perf- adapt their song for live performance. That involves a lot of technical skills, a lot of collaboration skills. Um, we do a film unit in the spring where they are looking at how film technology can, uh, how to use film technology at the same time they're seeing how music can affect a viewer's uh, take or perception of a film. Um, And I really, I just am always encouraging other teachers to utilize some of the music technology skills that the students learn in my class in their other classes. Um, cultural literacy, biology. Um, I really like to see that cross-curricular technique used at our school. Okay, great. Now, Lisa, you mentioned you had a variety of uh, experiences, you <laughs> yeah. know, before you became a principal, before you became an educator. How do you incorporate those other real-world experiences into the education process? First and foremost, our school has an internship program. Okay. We have over 140 partners where the students go out one day a week, all four years of high school, and they do this internship. Mm-hmm. So not only does it make an independent school kind of tuition affordable to every family, regardless of their socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. it also creates this idea of real-world learning. The students, by the time they're juniors, can pick okay. which actual internship they're most interested in attending, and it's typically tied to the post-secondary pathway and the career cluster they're most interested in. So like, hey, I want to go to a four-year college for engineering. So your internship is going to match that. And so we make those matches and those partnerships for our students. But above and beyond all that, we have what we call our mindset model. Okay. And so the Nazareth Prep mindset model is four mindsets we seek to build in all students. It's problem solver, entrepreneur, resilient learner, and servant leader. And all of our teachers, all of our classes, our internship programs, students are giving getting opportunities to demonstrate those mindsets. Okay. So it might be through project-based learning where, for example, they are working in uh, Leslie's class to redesign a facet of the criminal justice system. And as a part of that, they're visiting the county jail, interviewing family members or neighbors who may have been previously incarcerated, talking about how race 
and inequity plays a part into the criminal justice system and what that means for society. So they're learning to be activists. They're learning to be change agents. And then through that, incorporating technology like virtual reality, where they're then, say, for example, designing a virtual reality app okay. where bias is taken out of the courtroom. So it's looking at real-world topics in their neighborhoods, having this internship program, and then last but not least, is really having teachers that build relationships with them. Okay. So we work with all of our teachers to make sure that they understand that relationships need to come first. Right. Because you need to know your students, you need to form trusting relationships with them, and then help personalize what their learning pathway looks like. Okay. And Leslie, is there a particular mindset at the school that you've kind of championed? You feel like this is one that you really focus in on, and how do you bring that out of your students, or how do you help expose them to that particular mindset? That's a hard decision. I'm, kind of, I mean, I'm torn a little between resilient learner uh-huh. and servant leader. Those are both near and dear to my heart. Um, focusing on being a resilient learner a little bit, I think project-based learning in general uh, is it absolutely requires that because it's not always as chunked. Like, here's a worksheet, do it in 15 minutes and give it back to me. It's like, here's a block of time you have to craft and design your time the way that's going to help you to get your goals met. You have to be in charge of your own goals. And that's really hard, and that's something um, Lisa was talking about my junior leadership seminar class, which I didn't mention before, where we did the criminal justice Mm -hmm. system um, rebirth project, which she had talked about. We did an interdisciplinary project around energy with cultural literacy and with physics in the last trimester. And um, just kind of really working with students to be able to manage their time in a project is something that I've focused a lot on this year. Okay. Now, I was at a school previously where we had a set of mindsets, and we were able to incorporate those mindsets within the school with real-world experiences, but occasionally students will take them as a joke or they make a mockery of it or try to say, oh, I'm doing this particular mindset, but you could tell there was not sincerity there. I want to ask you, Lisa... How do you make the mindsets relevant to your staff and to your students in a way that's meaningful and it's just not the next thing that's in education right now? I would say that any teacher that wants to work at our school, from the time they interview or set foot into the door, we start talking about the mindsets. Okay. In terms of, like, this is the core of what you need to think about when you're an educator at this school. And same thing with students. We do a summer orientation program before our freshmen start. So they get a little bit of preparation before they're starting this very different school. A lot of the students that we serve are not necessarily used to a school that's project-based, that has three and a half hour blocks of time in the schedule, that goes off campus one day a week for an internship, that has the network campus program where they're off campus half a day every Friday at 12 different places across the city. And so we have to talk a lot about those mindsets and how they're going to support us and all these different things that they may not be used to. So for us, it's not really a fad or just something that's printed on a pencil or a banner or a t-shirt. It's to the point where you even have students who have written about it in their college essays. Okay. Have, um, we 
we give out Mindset Awards every month at our student assembly. So there's a student-led assembly every month, and we give out Mindset Awards of students who demonstrate those mindsets. They come up and get recognized for that. And then we have um, just other opportunities throughout the school where students can recognize another student for demonstrating a mindset. So it's a big piece of our culture. Okay. Because at the end of the day, we just believe that the learning isn't going to happen in the way that is really real world okay. if the relationship piece is missing. Okay. All right. So um, we live in a world now where students oftentimes feel like they can't fail, you know, that they have to have A's, they have to have B's, C's are not an option. But I want to ask you both, have you had a failure moment where a student, or maybe even yourself, you've actually failed and you actually learned from that experience? What is it and how did you learn? How did that student learn? I mean, we're a startup school, so mm -hmm. I feel like maybe I'll jump in and just take oh, this yeah, off the bat. Like, you know, as the founding head of school of a startup school, uh -huh. I've definitely made some mistakes. Okay. Well, and, say more. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I think it's that idea of just being vulnerable in front of teachers, in front of the rest of the faculty, and saying, like, you know what, guys? We thought this was going to work. Uh -huh. We really had big hopes for Learning Hub, which was the first iteration of our advisory program, and um, it just didn't work. Okay. Students didn't take it serious. They ended up kind of feeling like it was just a home room when the point of it was supposed to be every student getting a personalized learning plan developed. And I think the problem was we didn't have enough training for our teachers okay. on what they were supposed to do in terms of being an advisor that, you know, we're looking now to recalibrate it and hone it up a little bit more even to improve it since it's such an important part of our school. But I think that to act or respond in an egotistical way, that everything at this brand new school that we created and the vision for it worked perfectly is not going to serve anyone. Because I think in a learning organization and being a designer mm -hmm. and being a catalyst for change, like I think as the leader of the school, it's my job to model okay. that idea of um, perseverance, problem solving, listening, saying to people, tell me more. Yes. And um, saying to the teachers, well, like, tell me more. Why didn't it work? Like, what don't you have? And so I think it's showing that vulnerability, being willing to listen. But at the same time, especially from my perspective as the school leader, it's not giving up. Yeah. And saying, it's okay, it didn't work. You know what? This is probably not going to work. Mm -hmm. When we went to our um, third trimester, three-hour PBL block this year, okay, I think everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a disaster. Is this really going to work? And I was like, you know what, guys? If it doesn't work, we're going to tweak it. But I, I believe it's going to work. We've been prepping for this for two years. Okay. This is our third year. We're ready for this. And honestly, we rocked it. So I think that it's, you know, just that patience, persistence, showing vulnerability, listening, and just, like, not giving up. Mm. Okay. All right. Anything to add to that, Leslie? I can just think of... I think we're getting better and better at getting students to iterate on their projects, on their ideas. Um, just even this third trimester, having like requirements, and I, f I feel like we've gone through projects where it's like, okay, your first draft's due this date, and then it gets pushed out, pushed out, and then finally at the end, we just got the first draft. And we've gotten better at Okay, now students are turning in their first the rigor. job. It's almost like and now, yeah. and now, okay, here's some things that didn't work. Let's do a peer review on it. Let's just look at this and see what we can improve on. And then they improve it again. I think um, students had to create logos for their um, criminal justice 
solution. And uh, I, I was really proud of one group because they went through about like five logo designs before they really landed on one that they liked. And I'm thinking like, this is this is what it's at. You know, it's not just, let's just turn something in. It's like, I want this to be good for me. So I'm gonna keep trying until I get it right. Mm. So cool to see. Cool, cool. And let me just flip that question. So you had a failure. What, what has been your greatest success? Has it been that moment where you reached a student or you just, something just worked out and it was like on point? I think it's gotta be um, those days. You know, I was a little nervous Going back to the criminal justice unit, I was nervous whenever, again, when we first got to those blocks of time that were a little longer, okay, you have to turn in project management materials every week, here's the structure of the project, now here's your time to work on it. And you know, whenever I step into that, I'm always nervous, like, okay, they're not just like gonna like go on their phone and like Snapchat the whole period, please. And and there were there were a couple moments like that, but overall they handle the time really well and just being in a room where students are engaged with their group, working on their project, trying to get it right, trying to um, figure things out, researching things, the energy in that classroom is so, um, that's, that's kind of where it's at for me. So getting to that moment as many times as I can is always great. Okay. Well, I want to have one final question for the both of you. And I once again want to say thank you for your time today. And the last question is this is simple. If you had one word that you would use to describe yourself, what would that word be and why? My one word is passionate. Mm. It is because I'm a hustler. Okay. I'm a change agent. I'm a provocateur. And I think um, you're trying to blend in some more words. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of my passion, James. That's part of my passion. No, but honestly, if it really stems from somewhere, it stems from family. Mm-hmm. I come from, like, a huge Italian family. We all talk with our hands. Yes. We're all loud. People sometimes say, like, you're fighting over there. We're not fighting. That's just how we talk. Right. And so I think just, like, wearing your heart on your sleeve and being passionate about everything that you do. Excellent. And Leslie? I choose the word versatile um, because I cannot stick to, like, one thing because I will just go insane. Okay. So I'm always looking at, like, all these different things, and then what I can do is then, like, connect between two things that maybe someone that's not interested in this other thing wouldn't even know about connecting, and, and those moments are cool whenever I can, like, bring together all these different pieces. Okay. So versatile, that's me. Excellent. Well, once again, I want to thank you both for your time and being a part of Inspire to Impact. And I look forward to hearing more about the great work you're doing. Have a great day. Thank you.